0: Hello, hello, hello. Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki, a service that helps you to arrange lessons and conversations with English speakers and qualified teachers using Skype. The way it works is that you choose your teacher, you agree what kind of English lessons you would like, and then you fix those lessons according to your own schedule – And because you listen to this podcast, italki will give you a voucher worth 100 italki credits when you buy some lessons. Um, So lots and lots of Lepsters are currently on italki improving their English all the time and having great experiences doing it. And I often get nice reports from people who tell me how... Uh, it's working out for them, including one that I got recently, which I must tell you about. It includes a whole uh, sort of guide on the best ways to make the most of italki. Uh, So it's not just me saying this, it's also the people who are actually using it and improving their English as a result. Uh, To get started and to get your discount, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello there. Welcome back to the podcast. Here is a new episode for you to listen to while I'm on holiday. Um, I'm recording this the day before I go away to Japan. So by the time that you are listening to this I expect I will be on the other side of the world trying to remember how to speak Japanese. Uh, This episode is all about reading books in English. I probably won't upload another episode for a week or two, Um, so there's a little break there, and that little break will give you, my listeners, a chance to catch up on the recent episodes that I've been uploading lately. And also, um, if you have caught up on the recent ones, don't forget that there are loads of other episodes in the Archive that you might not have heard yet, and that you might want to listen to uh, if you are suffering from leperholism and you just can't get enough. So if you're suffering from withdrawal symptoms, um, then check out the episode archive uh, and just make sure that you've heard every single episode of this podcast. Don't forget also that there's a phrasal verb a day that you could listen to too. Um, um, Yes, and every single episode of Luke's English Podcast is available in the archive on my website. Even if you can't see them all on iTunes, even if all the episodes aren't available in the iTunes list, they are available on the website. Uh, They're all still there. Just go to teacherluke.co.uk and click Episodes, and that's where you'll find the archive. Um, Just before we get started, let me remind you of several things. The first thing I'd like to remind you of is that um, I'd like you to vote for Luke's English Podcast in the British Podcast Awards. Um, I need every single one of you to vote. So if you are next to a computer or if you've got your phone uh, with you, just go to www.britishpodcastawards.com slash vote and vote for Luke's English Podcast. Um, also, if you're in Tokyo on the 13th of April, uh, then come to a little live house called Gamuso in Asagaya, uh, for my comedy show. I will be performing comedy there with a few other people. It's free to get in. Doors open at about 7. I expect the comedy will begin at about 8 o'clock. I have no idea if the venue will be busy. I don't know if it will be full or not. Um, you can't book in advance, so I suggest that you just turn up and get yourself a seat And enjoy the show. All the details uh, are on Facebook. Uh, Just find Luke's English Podcast on Facebook or find uh, my comedy page, which is Luke Thompson Comedy, also on Facebook. And you can find the address of Gamuso in Asagaya and all that stuff. Okay, so let's get started. This episode is all about books, 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 basically. And um, in this one, I'm going to recommend some self-study books for learning English. I'm going to talk about the value of reading books in English and then I'm just going to go through some of the books which I have here in a pile uh, next to me Um, and I'm just going to go through this pile of books that I have and I'm just going to talk to you about them. Uh, These are books that I've had. I mean, I'm sure that um, you're the same as me. I'm sure that uh, everyone's the same. We've all got a pile of books that we are intending to read uh, and the the, book, the pile of books seems to grow all the time as people recommend books to you, or uh, they give you books for your birthday or for Christmas, or you end up in a, a really nice bookshop and you browse the bookshop and then you pick a few books that uh, uh, you'd like to read. Uh, we all have like loads of books that we want to read that we never find the time to read. And I've got one of those piles of, of books uh, right here next to me. And so I'm just going to go through those those books and just talk to you about them, uh, just to inspire you to do more reading this year in English, of course. Uh, that's the idea. Um, OK, so a bit of inspiration to help you um, like push yourself to read a little bit more. And remember that reading uh, not only is really good for your English, but it's also just a really nice, enjoyable uh, way to spend your time. So, not long ago, I got a message on my website from a listener to this podcast, and the message uh, went like this. It said, Hi, Luke, my name's uh, Matthias. I'm from Uruguay in South America. Hello, Matthias. And Matthias uh, said, uh, Also, I'm a British English lover. Ha ha. Um, I've been studying the language on my own. For seven or eight years, maybe, and English culture as well. I found your podcasts just a few months ago, and you gave me a whole new perspective on the language, and I really appreciate that. I emailed you, okay, so it was an email. I emailed you because I want you to recommend some self study books. I'm already using English Grammar in Use by Raymond Murphy and doing exercises almost every day. But what other books could I use? Thank you a lot for all your work. Have a great day. So that was the message that I got from Matthias. Basically, he'd like me to recommend some self-study books uh, to help him improve his English. So if any uh, any of you out there are interested in, like, getting uh, a book that you can use to do some self-study, um, then here are some uh, books that you could consider getting. And I think it's a good idea. I've always said that listening to Luke's English Podcast is uh most useful to your english as part of a balanced diet. I mean that um the best way to get the most out of uh using this podcast is to obviously listen to the podcast on a regular basis and use some of the methods that i've talked about in the past uh for you know how to kind of improve your english just with this podcast, but also that you should be doing other things as well, like for example, you should be uh talking uh, to people and maybe having like a language exchange or uh, one-to-one lessons, maybe with italki, for example. Uh, and also you could, you should do some self-study as well. Uh, I'm not one of these teachers who says that you don't need to study grammar. Um, I'm not one of those people. You, you do get some teachers out there who say that you, know, you can learn English without the grammar. But I do think that understanding grammar is is quite important the thing is that grammar is a little bit kind of boring and if you just study grammar on its own that's not necessarily the best way to do it but that it should be a balanced thing that you should balance like grammar study and self practice and stuff with um other types of practice like you know listening and conversation and other things so it's a question of balance that you should do little bits of everything really um so uh i do think studying some grammar is is worth doing it does help but it's not necessarily the the be all and end all of your english studying that you know you combine it with other things like just listening naturally just for enjoyment and things so okay here are some self study books for uh grammar but also for pronunciation and vocabulary okay everyone so um you will find the names and authors of all the books that i'm about to mention now On the page for this episode on my website. So if you're interested in, like, you know, picking up a copy of one of these books, just check the page and you'll see the name uh, listed there. Okay. So we're we're actually going to start with pronunciation, and um, pronunciation is a is a uh, a difficult thing to improve. It is a little difficult to improve, and it does help if you have some guidance uh, to help you do it. Now. I I expect that almost all of you out there are interested in ways that you can not just um improve the clarity of your of your speaking but um ways in which you can also like you know work on your accent as well. Here are some books that you could use to do that. Um the first one is uh, Ship or Sheep by Anne Baker uh which is published by Cambridge University Press Ship or Sheep. Okay? And um I mean it does exactly what it says on the tin really this book it's all about minimal pairs um what do I mean by by that well the book really explores um different features of uh of pronunciation in English uh, specifically different uh, phonemes so different individual sounds that we use uh in 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 the way we pronounce words um and it uh, to a large extent uh, the book does this by comparing similar sounds and giving you a chance to practice using them to practice noticing the differences between the two, and to practice kind of like forming those sounds as part of words and sentences. Ship or sheep is a a common example of a minimal pair, because it's the difference between the i and e sounds. i in ship, a ship obviously is like a boat, you know, like a, a ship on the water. And sheep, which is an animal, an animal that we use to to produce wool uh, for clothing, or an animal that we, you know we, we can, you could eat a sheep as well, and the 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 meat of a sheep is is lamb or mutton. So ship or sheep is an example of like you know two words that some some uh foreign speakers of english can have trouble distinguishing between now ship or sheep is obviously the 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 polite version there are more rude versions of minimal pairs which i think you're probably aware of like the word beach is a, is a t- typical problem for some speakers, uh, because beach, if you say that um, in the wrong way, it can come across as sounding like a rude word. Uh, sheet is another one as well. Uh, this is the sort of book that can help you to distinguish between these, um, these potentially embarrassing uh, sounds. And in Ship or Sheep, um, you get lots and lots of different phonemes, Um, you know, all the different phonemes of the uh, phonemic alphabet in English, uh, and there are exercises for comparing and contrasting uh, those phonemes with similar ones. It's a a very uh, well-known book. Uh, Ship or Sheep has been published for years and years, and uh, it's it's a very successful and popular book, uh, and you might want to check it out, Ship or Sheep. Um, Also, Cambridge University Press uh, publish Uh, Another series of books about pronunciation uh, called English Pronunciation in Use... Uh, this is the in use series. We know about English grammar in use. Well, they also have other series, uh, similar to that. There's English pronunciation in use, also English vocabulary in use as well. And other things like English phrasal verbs in use, um, English pronunciation in use is a series. So there's like the elementary intermediate and uh, advanced, uh, editions of, of this book. And, um, it's, you know, the complete guide to, uh, self-study of pronunciation there's a cd that comes with the book and you just follow it through chapter by chapter and it deals with different aspects um, of uh, uh, uh like pronunciation in english including the vowel sounds and consonant sounds that we get from ship or sheep but also other features such as connected speech um, and uh, intonation and stress and uh, all sorts of other things um, and um, i mean working on your pronunciation can seem like a bit of a challenge at times but you know once if you if you have a um, a self study book like this that you can work through uh, systematically it can actually break that challenge down into a much more manageable series of of uh, of little practice sessions uh, so that would be a good idea um english pronunciation in use yes okay uh, another one another one that i can recommend is called work on your accent Uh, By Helen Ashton, work on your accent by Helen Ashton, which is uh, published by Collins, and this is a very popular book as well. For example, on Amazon.co.uk, it's got four and a half stars out of five, uh, with lots of positive reviews. And basically, um, the the way that this book is described on Amazon is like this: It says, um, uh, "Work on your accent uh, by um, Helen Ashton, clearer pronunciation for better communication." Um, If your English accent is letting you down, this is the perfect book for you. You'll see and hear how to soften the influence of your mother tongue and speak clear English everyone will understand. Uh, Professional accent coaches Helen and Sarah show you how to pronounce each sound and when to use them. They'll help you recognize why your native language makes you mispronounce certain words and which sounds uh, you therefore need to focus on. Um, Colin's work on your accent features 36 units on the main consonant and vowel sounds in English, a whole what-am-I-doing-wrong section which looks at the mistakes that you're most likely uh, to be making based on your native language, advice on rhythm, stress, and pitch, and also videos, illustrations, and photos demonstrating the correct positions to prove produce accurate sounds. Um, There you go. I'm I'm, um, giving free publicity to Cambridge University Press, uh, Collins and Macmillan in this episode, that's for sure. Um, So check that one out. Um, Work on Your Accent by Helen Ashton. Um, Also, if you are um, really interested in features of pronunciation uh, beyond just sort of self-study to improve your, your accent if you just are interested in the subject of um, the way in which we pr- uh, produce sounds in English uh, you could check out Sound Foundations by Adrian Underhill and this is uh, published by Macmillan and this one's for, for the teachers really to be honest um, it's either for the teachers or, or people who just want the full in-depth understanding of um All of the different features uh, of pronunciation in English. Um, I've actually got a copy of it right here in front of me. And it's a really useful book. And uh, this is just what it says on the back of the book. It, It says, Sound Foundations is a comprehensive introduction to the English phonological system and an invaluable resource for anyone involved in teaching pronunciation. It offers information on pronunciation systems, as well as practical activities which can be used in pronunciation classes and in regular language lessons. The discovery approach means that both you and your students learn through physically experiencing how pronunciation works. Um, So there you go, Sound Foundations, which for me has been a, a very useful book in in understanding um, pronunciation and, and also in helping me to teach pronunciation too. So that's pronunciation, all right? So you've got Ship or Sheep, uh, English Pronunciation in Use, Work on Your Accent by uh, uh, Helen Ashton, and Sound Foundations by Adrian Underhill. Uh, let's move on to vocabulary. Um, now, there are lots and lots of books out there for uh, working on your vocabulary on your own. Um, now, I guess it's, it's worth mentioning that there are self-study books and there are course books, right? Um, you know, we all know the different course books like Headway and English File and Cutting Edge and so on. Uh, these are all well-known course books that you might well have used if you ever studied English in a, in a language class. Um, course books are not really appropriate for self-study. Uh, course books are supposed to be used in a classroom environment with a teacher leading you through each lesson. So if you are doing some self-study, don't use one of those course books. Make sure that you've found a self-study book, basically. Um, And you should be looking for books that not only... um Provide you with uh, information you know like um, uh, like resource books for 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 checking information about grammar and, and pronunciation or whatever, but also things with self study exercises in them as well. Make sure that there are answers at the back and all that kind of stuff. Check the level of the book that you are uh, that you 're going to get as well and make sure it 's at an appropriate level for you. I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably gonna be upper intermediate and and above. Um, I think probably. I'm not saying that this podcast is not for people of at a lower level, but I expect that uh that's probably the, the, the general level that you'll be at. I mean, you know, possibly intermediate, um, but certainly upper intermediate and, and higher. OK, so just check the levels. Make sure you understand what the level codes mean. Um, you'll probably see numbers like, you know, B1, B2, C1, C2, things like that. Um, and it's worth understanding what those numbers mean, that essentially uh, that's the common European framework of reference for language levels, which is basically A, B and C. A being uh, uh, sort of uh, elementary, B being intermediate and C being advanced. A1 is like sort of beginner level. Um, A2 is like pre-intermediate level. Uh, B one is intermediate, B two is upper intermediate, C one is advanced, and C two is considered to be proficiency level. So you know, bear in mind the level of the book that you're looking at as well. Let's think about some vocabulary self study books that you could use. Uh, there is the uh, the in use series that I mentioned earlier. We know about English Grammar in Use, the blue book by Raymond Murphy, uh, but. Um, there are also other uh, uh, books published by Cambridge uh, with in use in the title. So, English Vocabulary in Use. And it's, you know, a really solid series of books at different levels. Just very solid. They focus on teaching you all of the, 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 the vocabulary that you really need to know, to be honest. And, and Cambridge University Press really know what they're doing. You know, they choose the language very carefully based on the frequency Uh, that uh, certain words are are used and uh, it's the kind of language that, you know, everyone should know. Um, So, you know, English vocabulary in use, you can't really go wrong with those uh, books. Um, There there are other uh, in-use vocabulary books as well, like, for example, uh, English phrasal verbs in use. And also um, uh, uh, there there are vocabulary books for professional purposes, like uh, Professional English in Use, which is um, a good series and I've used that a lot uh, in my lessons um, in, you know, uh, English for specific purposes. Professional English in use, uh, business English in use, and they also have like professional English in use for lawyers, professional English in use for engineers and things like that. So, check out the whole in use series for vocabulary. You might find that uh, they've got like a book specifically to your line of business or something and that might be very useful for you. Um Another series um is called um Practical Everyday English by Stephen Collins, um uh, which is published by who publishes this? What's the publishing company for this uh, for this series? Um why can't I see the publishing company? Um it's published by Montserrat Publishing. There you go. And um, Stephen Collins has written a few uh, books in this series. There's Practical Everyday English, there's Advanced Everyday English, and there's also High-Level Everyday English. Um, You could get all three of them, but if you are wondering where to begin, why not start with Practical Everyday English? And the point here is that um, uh, Practical Everyday English is for Upper, Intermediate and Advanced students only. I think this is probably the kind of book that that you, my audience, would be interested in. It goes quite well with uh, episodes of this podcast, similar kind of language, um, and it goes like this. This is what's written on the uh, on the website on on Amazon for Practical Everyday English by Stephen Collins. It says. Um, Practical Everyday English is the first book in the Everyday English series. It's a self-study book with audio CD designed to improve the vocabulary of upper, intermediate and advanced students of English as a foreign language. This book has a special focus on phrasal verbs, advanced vocabulary and idioms. Unlike a dictionary, this book actually teaches students how and when to use the words by giving true-to-life examples, entertaining dialogue, and useful exercises. Uh, So there you go. Here's one of the reviews uh, from uh, from Amazon. I'll try and pick one that's not too long goes like this. Uh, Excellent book for speaking English well. My wife already had good English, but since using this book, I've noticed a big improvement in her comprehension when with friends and her everyday vocabulary is much more natural. This is a great book if you really want to improve your everyday English. Okay, there you go. Everyday uh, Practical Everyday English uh, by Stephen Collins. Um, Stephen Collins, if you're listening, you know, um, you're welcome. Uh, you're welcome f- for the free publicity there. Uh, let's move on to grammar. And everyone knows English Grammar in Use by Raymond Murphy. It's probably the most well known self study book. It's the Blue Grammar book. And um, it's great, you know. Carry on, uh, Matias um, uh, from Uruguay. Carry on using it because it's a solid book and, uh, you know, it's a well-known book and maybe the, 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 the best-selling English self-study book in, in the world. Uh, so, you know, and there's a reason for that. It's because it's reliable, it's solid, it's very simple. They have one page with all of the grammar explanations and then another page with all the self-study stuff. There's even a test uh, I think at the beginning or maybe at the back of the book, there is a test there which you can take which will show you, you know, the the, the gaps in your grammar. Um, so, you take the test and then, depending on the results, you can then focus on uh, taking uh, studying the chapters that that uh, are most relevant to you. Uh, it's a great book. But if you are looking for other options, you could check out Grammar for Business by McCarthy, McCarthy, Clark and Clark. Uh, grammar for Business Um and uh, that's a really solid grammar book. And uh, the difference is that it's for pe- it's for professionals. Now, you might hear the word business and you go, oh, God, no business. No, 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 please. Not today, thanks. Which is what a lot of people think. But, um, you know, think again, because the, the, the good thing about grammar for business is that all of the examples, all of the grammar has got a really practical focus. And um, basically, they use... Um, the sort of English that you would hear in a work situation as the basis for teaching you grammar. So, to be honest with you, it's really useful because, let's face it, most of the time you're, going to be Eng- you're probably going to be using English in a professional situation, right? Um, well, you know, this is the kind of grammar in that world, and so it just shows you how grammar applies to getting things done at work. Um, and it goes through all the different relevant areas of grammar but there are also special chapters in the book for dealing with certain different situations like you know um, ways of like dealing with questions and presentations and negotiation and all that kind of thing it's a really solid grammar book and it's a good alternative to uh, practical uh, to 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 english grammar in use Um, Another one, which is a reference book, this one, it's not so much a self-study book, but a a useful reference book, and that is Practical English Usage by Michael Swan. And Practical English Usage is a bit like the English teacher's Bible, uh, especially if you're doing something like the Delta qualification. Everyone needs a good reference book, and Practical English Usage is perhaps the, the 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 best known uh, grammar reference book essentially it's like an a to z of of grammar and and it's got everything in there like all the questions that you have uh most of them can be answered by this book uh but there are no self study exercises in it but it can be a really good companion for anyone who wants to kind of you know understand uh, uh the English language from the bottom up um, and it just, you know, clearly uh, explains various things about English, including, for example, even things like rude language in English. There's a whole section about uh, taboo words and rude language, and it gives you like a rating for certain words. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a decent um, reference book which will, you know, show you how English is used and it'll, it'll explain what's correct and what's not correct and so on. And it's it's it's. Um, It's uh, very useful uh, for anyone, either teachers or learners of English. Um, One more book that I'll recommend, and that's for improving your writing, um, and that would be um, Email English by Paul Emerson. Email English is a book that I use all the time uh, in my lessons, and uh, it's very, very useful because basically Paul Emerson has uh, divided the book into separate chapters for different purposes, different functions in your email writing. Now, again, let's be honest, if you write in English, most of the time you'll be writing emails, I imagine. I mean, let's face it, you're either going to be writing emails or reports for work, or you're going to be writing comments on websites and things or on social media. Um, You might be writing uh, emails to to friends and family, but I imagine most of the time your emails will be work-related or job-related in some way. And so, Email English by Paul Emerson is really an essential book for those purposes. I've got a copy of it here somewhere. Uh, Where is it? Where is it? Here it is. I've got Email English here in front of me. I think this is the first edition, published by Macmillan. And... um, And it says on the back, Email English will help you write effective and convincing emails, whether for work, study or other purposes. Based on hundreds of real emails, Email English deals systematically with key language for constructing effective and convincing emails in English. And it deals with like, you know, all the basics, like how you begin and finish an email Ways of giving information, making requests, arranging meetings, checking understanding, uh, negotiating, asking for payment, dealing with a customer, uh, describing business trends, uh, cause and effect, uh, writing reports, bits of grammar like uh, sentence structure, verb forms, comparison and also things like informal and formal styles, direct and indirect styles and ways of sounding very friendly in your emails. There you go. There's also a phrase bank at the back of the book, which gives you, you know, all of the different phrases that you learn throughout the uh, the units in the book. Email English Paul Emerson. More free publicity from me to you there. Okay, so there you go, um, Matthias. There are a few um, recommendations for self-study books for you. What I'd like to do now is just talk about reading books just for pleasure and for learning English, Okay. <coughs> um excuse me so reading books now how often do you read books in english ladies and gents are you reading a book in english right now um i wonder which book you're reading have you ever read a book in english if if not why not i wonder why not um everyone learning this language should read books okay i mean that's um well-known piece of wisdom it's something that everyone knows you've got to read books in English if you want to properly learn the language. So, if you've never read a book in English, just ask yourself, why not? Now, either it's because you just don't think it's a good idea, or it's never occurred to you, or maybe you just don't have any access to books, you don't know which books to read, or you've tried it and you found it to be too difficult, or, I don't know, maybe some other reason. Um, Or maybe you just haven't got round to it yet. Um, I expect that many of you listening to this have read books in English, and you probably love reading books in English too. Um, I would like to invite all of you to to write your um, your favourite books that you've read in English in the comments section of the website, because one of the things that uh, you know you might discover is that you know you just don't know which book to read. You know, you might be convinced that reading books is a good idea, but you just don't do it because you just don't know where to start. You don't know which books to read. And often, um, you know, you only get started with a book when someone recommends it to you. If you go to a bookshop and you see all these books on the shelves, you don't know where to start, especially if you're not really a, a, a fan of reading in your first language, it can be difficult to know where to start. So, everyone, I'd like you to. Um, you know share your experience if you've really enjoyed reading a book in English and you found it to be you know not too difficult and you found that it helped your English um, then you know make your recommendations in the comment section of the website we'd all like to know which books you loved reading in English okay Uh, now I did do an episode all about this subject a couple of years ago and it was called uh, reading books in English Uh, that was episode what which episode was that then uh, reading books in English, that was... I'm just trying to find out. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember which episode it was. Uh, I can tell you in a second. Um, it was uh, It was in 2015, and it was episode number 200. I think it was episode 256. Just waiting for the page to load on my website here. Yeah, episode 256 was called Reading Books in English and Listening to Them Too, because I also talked about uh, audiobooks. Um, and so if you haven't listened to that episode, then you could listen to it um, while I'm on holiday. Episode 256, Reading Books in English. You'll find the uh, the link on the page for this episode. And that um, in that one, I did go through a list of recommended books, including... Um, Books that I expected would not be too difficult if um, if English is not your first language. And also some personal recommendations from me, just my favourite books. Um, so check that out on the page for this episode or in the archive. Um, also, I don't know if you were aware, but there is a reading list on my website. And that reading list includes every single book that I've ever recommended or mentioned on the podcast? Because I have, you know, from time to time, I have mentioned books. I've made recommendations about books. I've done little book reviews. I've also, there was a period when I I was going through a list of uh, the UK's favourite books. Do you remember that? Uh, At the beginning of episodes, I mentioned, uh, you know, the UK's favourite books. All of the books I've ever mentioned are in the reading list. You can see the link on the page for this episode. Otherwise, um, if you're on the website uh, and you see the menu, On the right hand side of the menu, it says more. Just hover the mouse over that and uh, you'll see uh, a little link in the menu that says reading list and click there and you'll see uh, a list of loads and loads of different books that I've mentioned or recommended uh, um, in the past. So if you're looking for some inspiration, you could check out that list. Um, Now, um, um, let me now talk, though, about the benefits or importance or value of reading books in English, just in case you weren't convinced. Now, the first thing, it's all about practice, okay? Because practice is is, um, is vital. Because remember, you know, remember the seven P's, the seven P's, which are important for uh, learning English. The seven P's, what are they? Well, of course, it's practice, 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 Practice is vital, and that doesn't mean just using the language, but also uh, engaging with the language in various ways, listening a lot, uh, speaking a lot, writing a lot, and also reading a lot too. So, obviously, by doing lots of reading, you're pushing your level of practice, your daily practice, uh, in a really effective way. So, it's just good. It's you know, I probably don't even need to go any further Uh, but I will. Uh, But, you know, it's just a vital part of your regular practice. Uh, One of the advantages of reading compared to, for example, watching movies in English or listening to podcasts in English uh, or, or having conversations with people in English, one of the advantages with reading is that you can go at your own pace. You can go at your own speed. You can set your own pace. You could just sit there in a comfortable place and you can just go at whatever speed is most comfortable to to you and that means that you can you know you can go back and repeat passages you can you know um check things in a dictionary and and so on uh there's the you know the the language is not flashing before you um and that's the thing about listening or watching movies the english <laughs> the English comes by rather fast. And you don't always get a chance to grab it, you know. Whereas when you're reading, you know, you can slow down, you can go back and check out, you know, words that you've just seen. You can reread passages that you've um, that you've uh, you've just seen. So you can set your own pace, which can really help you to get a grip on the language that you're seeing. Um, another point is that it's just relaxing. It's just seriously relaxing uh, reading. Uh, it's it's certainly a lot more relaxing than staring at a screen and we do that a lot these days don't we? We do spend an awful lot of time looking at our phones, looking at our computer screens um, and that's not particularly healthy I believe. I don't think it's that relaxing um, and you know we mustn't forget the value not just for our English but just generally for our levels of stress <coughs> That, that reading can really help with those things. It's very calming and very relaxing and just really pleasant. And it's just a really nice way to pass the time. So try, for example, try reading for 15 minutes before sleeping. Leave your phone a- away from the bed. Like, Don't take your phone into the bedroom. Just let let your phone charge in another room and bring a book to bed instead and uh, lie in bed and read for 15 minutes. And you could read something in English. It's a really good idea just before you go to sleep, so that the, the last things that you see before your your mind shuts down at the end of the day is you just read a few pages in English. It's just a good way to get the English in there uh, regularly. And it also has the effect of relaxing you and calming you down. And you will find, I promise, I guarantee you will find, you'll get a much better, better night of sleep. You'll you'll wake up feeling much better, much more energized uh, if you read a few pages from a book as you go to bed. Uh, it's just much healthier because, you know, looking at a screen before bed is not very healthy because all that light, all the stimulation from the light on the screen, um, that really stimulates your mind and it's not really a healthy way to to ease yourself into a calm sleep state. Whereas reading is much more effective for that. And I mean, for me, uh, reading a book instantly makes me fall asleep. I mean, it's just so relaxing. Uh, It just calms me down. So try that. 15 minutes of reading in English before you sleep. It's very good for you. Um, And also, don't forget, you can take a book anywhere. Uh, you can take a book anywhere with you it 's totally portable. I mean they were the the iPads before iPads ever existed. You know You can stick a book a book in your pocket, you can read it on the train. you can read it on the bus if you 're waiting for something, you just take the book out and read it they 're super convenient and flexible, um, not just in bed or on the sofa, but when you 're out and about as well in a cafe or whatever it 's really nice it 's just a really pleasant experience. Um, now what about vocabulary and grammar development uh, through reading? Well, this is definitely a good idea if you you know if you're looking at sort of improving your your vocab and grammar, then you've got to do some reading too um, because perhaps the best way to work on your grammar and vocab is to actually see it being used in context. and reading just gives you direct access to the living language and simply interacting with English by reading it is a great way to learn it. Um, uh, you can practice being mindful while you read, which is really just a question of noticing features of the language as you see it and you know this can be more efficient than reading grammar explanations all right now i you know I've talked about the value of using grammar reference books to just get answers to nagging questions or things you don't understand about the the language. but you know often um the most useful parts of grammar study. Uh, are those examples where they highlight certain bits of of usage in English, and like studying grammar is often a little bit unsatisfying because ultimately there aren't always logical reasons why the language is the way it is. Uh, so sometimes it pays to just stop looking for for explanations uh, and, and answers for why English is the way it is. Sometimes it's worth to you know it's worth stopping that and just accepting. the the language as it is. And, you know, by reading, you can let the language flow through you, you know, and you can just get to know it as closely as as possible. Um, So, you know, don't expect English to follow the same rules as your language and don't expect English to be logical. So, you know, looking for answers... Looking for rational, logical answers for grammar isn't necessarily the best way to do it, and perhaps it's just as valuable valuable to just connect with with uh, language in a meaningful way, and just try to notice grammar as as you are like reading. Um, now, uh, you know, obviously, grammar books are great for reference and for self study, uh, <clears throat> but um, you know, don't underestimate just the value of, of simply reading the language. Uh, You know, So, for example, if you notice a pattern or a feature of the language that you don't understand while you're reading, you can check it out in the grammar book, like, you know, practical English usage. And the same goes for for checking out vocabulary in a dictionary. But by interacting with the written word, you will find that the grammar just kind of goes into your brain as a consequence. And, you know, I've talked about this before, um, the importance of exposure exposure. That means basically developing your instinct for the language. And reading an entire book in English is a very good way to develop that grammar instinct, you know? Um, What do I mean by instinct? That's, for example, when you come to do a grammar exercise, like in a test or something, and you just, rather than knowing the answer because you know the rules of grammar, you know the answer just because it feels right, okay? It just feels like the right answer. And that is the best, you know, way to know. That's the, best, that's the best situation, when you know the answer, but you don't even know why you know it, which is how most native English speakers understand grammar. Like, if you ask a native speaker to do a grammar test, they'll get it right, but they don't know why the answers are right. Whereas, if you ask a learner of English, they will, you know, in many cases, get the answers right, and they'll also be able to explain the grammar rule behind it. But the point is that, Sometimes you don't really need to uh, go through the grammar rule. If you just understand it, if you just feel it, if you f- if it feels correct based on instinct, then that's much better. It's faster, it's more instinctive, um, it's more intuitive. And that comes from uh, just seeing and hearing uh, meaningful uh, samples of English many, many times uh, during your life, you know. Uh, that's exposure just seeing a lot listening to a lot of English um, and it's a question of developing your instinct uh, for the language so yeah reading in a whole book uh, is very good for your grammar or reading regularly will pay off because it will just help you develop that instinct of just what feels right and what feels wrong um, you know you'll you'll know that something is right just because it you've seen it so many times before and you'll know that something is not right because your brain is like your brain will be saying, no, 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 this doesn't feel right. We've never seen that combination of words before. Um, so, you know, don't underestimate that. That's very important. Imagine all of those sentences that pass before your eyes and go through your brain when you read. Imagine the the extent to which your subconscious is processing all that English. Your subconscious does remember it all. You know, your 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 conscious mind, the mind that you're aware of, you know, it can't remember everything because it's too busy. But in the back of your brain, there is a place where it remembers every single thing you've ever experienced. Um, and um, so, you know, try and fill that, that, that uh, memory bank with good English. It's really going to help you uh, make good judgments about the language. And it's also just a great way to study structure, to study grammar, without even really studying it. And, and that is a question of time and material. Okay, so finding the right material, finding a book which you just enjoy reading and that that you can read a lot of, and then time, just spending time on it regularly, uh, every day. I mean, the ideal situation is that you find a book that you love in English. Now, we all know that experience of when you you finally get hooked by a book. I mean, it's a really nice experience. You know, when you usually you start reading a book and the first few pages, you're like, I'm not sure about this. And then it's not until after a few pages in or maybe a couple of chapters into the book that it gets its its fingernails into you and you get hooked. And that's fun, isn't it? Because then you're like, oh, I can't wait to read some more. I can't wait to go to bed early so I can continue reading this book. Now, the ideal situation is that you get into that uh, situation with a book in English, where it grabs you and you're captivated by it, you're a little bit addicted to it, and you can't stop reading it, because then it's all working in your favour, because you're not only enjoying the process, but you're also filling your brain with, uh, with English structure, uh, okay? I know this is true, because I mean, even when, for example, I'm reading books in English, I find that it, it, it actually has an influence on, on my writing. So, I remember when I was younger, I read all of um, The Catcher in the Rye, uh, by J.D. Salinger, and I remember reading it and really enjoying it, and then writing, and I felt like I was writing in the same voice. It's really interesting. It kind of, it, 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 it I felt like it really influenced me, and I got to, I got this feeling of like the rhythm of the English that was coming out um, in my writing just from reading so much. So you know, uh, that's good exposure. Also, spelling as well, spelling and remembering words. And this is all about the importance of visualising the written word, okay? Now, a word, let's just break it down to just the word level. A word exists in many different dimensions, okay? One word. I mean, uh, wh- how do you remember a word? Where is it in your brain? What is a word, really? What is it? Is it a? Is it something that's written down? Is it a symbol written on a pa- on a piece of paper? Is it a a, a, a mouth position? Is it a combination of uh, uh, of muscle movements? Um, is the word just the meaning of the word? Is, is the word the way that it sounds? Is the word the 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 movement of your hand or your fingers on the keyboard? What is a word and where does it exist? Well, the fact is that the word exists in all of those different dimensions. So, a word is a multi-dimensional thing um, and it exists in all these different dimensions. The way it sounds when you hear it, uh, the way it feels when you say it, uh, all the meaning associations that you have with it, the way that word looks when you read it, and also the way it feels to write it by hand or on a computer. All of those things make up the, 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 you know, the, the full character of a word. So if you want to learn a word, you need to get to know every single side of it. You need to know how it feels, what it looks like, what it means, what it sounds like. You know, Get to know every single aspect of that word. And that means uh, reading a lot in order to get the visual side in your mind. Um, You know, read it, read words a lot, read them again and again and again so that you get a visual picture of the word, okay? Um, And that will help, you know, create this fully rounded English. You've got to hear words, you've got to say words, you've got to write words and you've got to read them uh, in combination with other words too to get the fully sort of uh, the full 360 degree sense of of a word, okay? Um, Educational value is another one. Um learning about the culture of the language that you're learning is vital. it really is because it helps you to get into the mindset of the language so that you can get a sense of the rhythm of that language, but also the humor and how certain things are suggested or hinted at or referred to and so on in that language so you know you 've got to learn the culture the the psychology of the language um but also you just learn some some information. That will help you when you read. Um, You know, you just learn some cultural information that includes things like history or popular culture. Uh, So it's not just a question of learning the words and the grammar and stuff, but it's also about learning the whole culture within which those words exist. Uh, And, you know, once you are on the same wavelength. Uh, of the culture of the language, then that's when you can be in a a much better position to start expressing yourself with that language as well. And books can be a really, really great way into a culture, okay? Uh, You know, we all know that, uh, you know, we associate books and reading books with being educated and being cultured. So, you know, it's a great way to achieve that uh, in English too. Now, um, what about choosing a book? I'm sure that you're convinced that reading a book is a good idea. But now you need to choose the right book for you, don't you? Now, maybe you could check the comments section of the website and see what some of my listeners are recommending. Or you check my reading list and see some of the books that I've recommended for you there. Um, But um, here are some tips for choosing the right book. Now, one thing is that you've got to think of the style of English that you're going to find in in that book. So make sure you're not choosing a book that's too old. I mean, there are a lot of really great classic books in English, but some of them are a little bit old-fashioned now. Uh, and watch out because the, the the kind of English that they used in in books like two hundred years ago or more is a little bit old-fashioned now. I mean, to an extent, like that kind of nineteenth-century style is wonderful because it's so clear and so articulate, and it's a really accurate, great form of the language. But it's a little bit old-fashioned, so you know, be careful. I think probably you should pick a modern book, a book that's, you know, written recently, written in normal, plain English. Um, But, you know, the the most important thing is that you're reading a book that you enjoy reading. So if that means that you read classic uh, fiction or, you know, a classic book with a slightly old-fashioned style, then, you know, that's all right. It's still English. Uh, the main thing is that you find something you love reading but you know it's worth thinking about the style uh, that you're that you're gonna uh, read so n- some not something too old um, uh, so watch out R- anything written before about 1800 is gonna sound pretty outdated. you know something written um, between 8- 1800 and, and uh, let's say 1950 that period. It's good. There's a lot of great fiction that was written then, but it's going to sound a little bit old-fashioned and outdated, so it might be difficult for you to follow. <coughs> also, think about reading a book that's not too long, because obviously you want to finish it, don't you? And uh, it's important to finish a book, because that gives you that sense of achievement. Uh, we all essentially want to finish the books that we're reading, so pick a book that's achievable, not too long. Um, you could read something that you've already read in your own language. So you could pick a book that you already love and read that one in English. And that way, at least you'll know the storyline and you'll be able to follow it. And you know for sure that you love it. I mean, there are some books that we read again and again and again because we love them so much. So you could, you know, just read your uh, favourite book in English. You might find that it's been translated into English uh so that could be interesting and you you know you can compare the experience of reading it in english to to reading it in your first language um and essentially you just got to pick something that appeals to you like i said just just a moment ago the most important thing is that you love reading it and and you you have to get hooked by it uh you you've just got to read it it's all about getting more and more english into your brain so it's vital that you like the book so just you know basically go with your gut instinct just go with your gut instinct. So, if you if you like, uh, you know, detective stories, then you know, get a detective story in English. Uh, if you like love stories, go for a love story. You know, just what's the kind of thing that you would read in your language? Pick the same kind of thing in English. Um, all right. Um, obvious that one, really, I suppose, but it's still worth mentioning because sometimes people, you know, they, they kind of forget that they they think that they're reading just for learning but it's important to read for enjoyment in english um so pick something that that uh, appeals to you um you know try to pick something with fairly normal english so uh, a book that's about ordinary people speaking in an ordinary type of english so for example you know be careful of something like the martian that book about the guy who gets stuck on mars uh, now, that, that book, for example, contains loads of technical language. Uh, half the book is about him trying to solve different engineering problems in space. Um, you know, so beware of that, 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 you know, books might contain lots of specialist language that either might be complicated to understand or, or just not useful to you. Uh, so, you know, try to focus on something that's going to have fairly normal everyday English but you know, then again, saying that uh, the Martian is a really, um, really captivating book, it's a riveting page turner, and it's very interesting. And I, I, I did enjoy the Martian, and I was surprised at how I, even though I didn't understand a lot of the technical stuff he was talking about, I continued reading it, and I found it really enjoyable. So you know, just it's worth it's worth thinking about. But just you know, be aware of the kind of English that you're going to be getting uh, in the book that you read. Um, You could choose um, page turners, you know, a page turner. Do you know what that is? A page turner is the kind of book that uh, you might buy in an airport or something. It's the sort of book where you just fly through the pages. You fly through them because you're desperate to find out what's happening next. You know, these are like those thrillers or mystery stories you know, and you just fly through the pages. A page turner. They're not necessarily the most intellectual books out there, but they are books that are easy to read and you fly through them fairly quickly. Because remember, your objective is to read as much as possible and also to get the satisfaction and motivation of having finished the book. So don't be afraid to read some trash in English, you know? Don't be afraid to read a bit of trash. Airport, trash you know it doesn't have to be the most high class book in the world as long as it's easy to read and it's fun that's the that's the most important thing so you know pick like the best selling uh fiction the best selling holiday novels things like that you know look at the top charts uh, the most popular books in the uk uh, and go for those books because, you know, if most people are able to f- enjoy it and read it, then it's probably going to be, you know, f- pretty easy and pretty fun uh, for you to read too, um, all right? So, you know, don't be too much of a snob about it. You know, you could pick some fairly trashy stuff uh, as long as it's fun and enjoyable. That's the main thing. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, Nobel Prize winning winning stuff. Um, um, one thing you could consider... Is this if 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 reading like books for native speakers is too difficult and too challenging, uh, which it, you know could be the case. That could be why you don't read enough in English. It might just be that the books that you have read have just been a little bit too high for you, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine because uh, the publishing industry has the solution to that problem, and that is the the, the graded reader. And there are uh, various different publishing companies produce. Versions of popular books uh, which have been reproduced for learners of English. For example, the Penguin Reader series. And you can go to readers.english.com to find uh, more information about Penguin Readers. Penguin Readers are published by Penguin and they are uh, like uh, really popular or classic. Uh, novels in English but they've been reproduced with uh, a a limited number of words okay so the 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 word and it doesn't mean the length of the book but the the range of words has been reduced so that it's much easier for you to follow (coughs) so if you do that you'll find that you'll be able to finish the books that it will be much more satisfying that you won't get that horrible feeling of getting lost in the book Uh, it won't damage your confidence because you will you'll be able to finish it and um because the 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 range of words has been limited um the chances are that you'll be able to use all of the words that you already know to help you to learn the 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 few words in those books that you don't know so consider getting a graded reader you know these are shorter easier versions of brilliant novels in english and, uh, you know, there are lots of them. Um, and I suggest that you look for graded readers at an upper intermediate or advanced level. Uh, intermediate or or below is just going to be too easy and you won't enjoy it. The, th- the thing about graded readers are that the low level ones are so basic that they're not even enjoyable. You know, I mean, they can be useful, but they're just a bit simple and they seem like books for children or something. But um, uh, graded readers are best at a slightly higher level upper intermediate or advanced because there you've got enough words for the for the books to still be interesting and to still have some style but not too many words for it to be impossible to understand so you could consider reading upper intermediate or advanced uh, uh graded readers and you get you know classic uh, stories like really great work uh that um you know will will be good for your confidence and good for your vocabulary um and then finally You could consider reading graphic novels in English. And I've mentioned this before. I'm using graphic novels in French. I've been reading uh, a few different graphic novels in French, and I love that. I really, really like that because they're a little bit easier to read, you know, because you've got the visuals. And the, the, the visuals do help to move the story along. Like, if you ever get that feeling when you're reading a book in another language and you just don't know what's happening, you've just totally lost the plot and it's impossible to continue you don't get that so much with graphic novels because you know you've got the visuals you've got the pictures to help you understand the story so that that supports you as you go along and essentially it's a bit like watching a movie but with all the advantages of a book that you can go at your own speed that you can re-read passages that you can stop and check things in a dictionary you know it's it's just the same as watching a movie with subtitles essentially except that it's in your pocket um okay now um let me just talk about how to read books in English or how to use books to improve your English because really there are like two ways to do this okay there are two let me break it down to basically two approaches that you could use for reading books in English okay so there's basically study and enjoyment okay and i've decided that study and enjoyment are not in the same category because i'm assuming that studying is not the most enjoyable approach okay so we've got study on one hand and enjoyment on the other hand let's start with study so if you go for the study approach this means when you uh, you you read the book and you've got a pencil in your hand you've got a notebook and you've got a dictionary with you okay whether it's a real dictionary or an online dictionary it doesn't really matter but you're there with the book and you've got a pencil a notepad and a dictionary okay and you read through the book. And when you come across a new word or a new bit of language, or whatever it is, bit of grammar or structure or simply a new word that you don't know, that you don't understand, you then check it out in the dictionary or in your grammar reference book. You check it out and you make a note of it. You could underline that word in the book itself and also write it down in your notebook and write other notes as well that will help you to remember it and notes that will you know help um uh, help you understand it again when you check it uh, Check it the next time. Maybe a little example, maybe a personalised example for, about your own life. Um, don't just write the translation from your first language. Write an example sentence in English and maybe like a little mnemonic that will help you remember it also in English. Uh, and yeah you can highlight or underline the word in the book too and that way when you come back to it later it'll sort of jog your memory okay so you do that you read through it sort of studying checking writing notes and things like that as you go along now the problem with that is that it's slow it's a pretty slow way of uh going getting through a book and it's not always that enjoyable because it feels like work I mean, you know, some of you out there might be like the dedicated language learners and you might love the geeky side of like recording words and checking them in dictionaries and things. But I think for most of you, that's not going to be the most satisfying way to get the most out of a, of a good book. You know, it's going to take you too long and it's going to be boring. So the good news is you don't have to do it like that i mean the advantage of doing it like that is that you're really sort of focusing on the language and you probably will learn quite a lot and if you keep going with the notes eventually you'll have like a big uh sort of dictionary and diary of with full of mnemonic devices which you can then study from later and it'll really help you to learn new language um <clears throat> and remember the more language you learn the more you can learn as well um But anyway, it can be a bit boring and not necessarily the best way to enjoy the book. So the second approach is called enjoyment. And this is where you just focus on the story, just focus on enjoying it. You don't have to bother checking words all the time. You just read the book because you're interested in the story. What's going to happen next, basically? Focus on getting through the story because you want to know what happens next. And you will naturally start picking up new words as you encounter them okay? You will, you can naturally do that because it's part of a natural process we have. If you're basically able to understand 70% of what's going on, your brain will kind of fill in the gaps. It's like when you were a child reading in your first language. You know, we've all had that experience. We, we you know, we were all, were children and we all sort of had trouble understanding the books that we read as kids. I remember, for example, reading through books and finding words I didn't know. And I didn't even know how to pronounce them. You just kind of like get through it. And your brain kind of basically ends up working out what the meaning of the word is from the context. You get a sense of whether it's positive or negative. If it's a verb, a noun, an adjective or, or an adverb or whatever, you do start to build up a picture of that word based on you know the context, the grammatical, the meaning context around it, and so that is a natural process. So you know, just focus on getting through the story, and you can kind of work out, you can guess the meaning of unknown words um, as long as you as long as you keep going. But you know, you should try to be mindful when you read, meaning that every now and then you can just slow down a bit and focus on some language. You know, if you want to. Uh, not every single thing you you don't understand, but when there's something particularly bothering you, then you can slow down and focus on it. Perhaps read a quick passage again, and think about the grammar that you can see. You know, just think about why is it written in that particular structure? What kind of grammar is this? What is the effect of writing it like that rather than writing it in another way? Could you you know take those sentences and and put them in a different in a different structure, for example? What about these words, for example? Do you know these words that are being used in this paragraph? Could you use those words yourself for something in your own life? Okay, so you can ask yourself these questions from time to time and then basically just, just con- you know continue um, following the story and focusing on that. And you should feel good when you've finished the book. Take time to reflect on it. Uh, think about the book in your head, like literally think in your head. That means in your head, you should be going, well, that was a good book, wasn't it? Oh, what did you think about that character? That character was an absolute bastard, wasn't he? Uh, and why did why did this guy do that? And oh, I can't believe that happened. You know, actually have the conversation in your head or you could speak it out loud. Um, you could talk to your language partner or your one-to-one teacher, or you could write down your thoughts in a diary, you know, just write write them all down somewhere And then move on to the next one. Okay, all right. So those are just a couple of tips about uh, you know ways that you can read books in English and and, uh, learn English from them, and some ways that you can pick books and just the importance of uh, of reading books, and also obviously some self study books as well. What I want to do now is actually go through this pile of books that I have uh, sitting next to me here. But um, I've been talking now for an hour and five minutes. So guess what? That's the end of this episode. And uh, I- I'll um, I'll just talk about the books I've got next to me in the next one, I think. I, I guess I will just uh, immediately record this episode now and put it up uh, online for you. Uh, So yeah, you'll have two episodes to listen to while I'm on holiday. Uh, So that's going to be the next thing that you'll be able to listen to, I expect, uh, probably pretty soon. Um, Thanks very much for listening. Um, Don't forget to write your favourite books in English um, in the comments section so that you can all share your ideas and stuff. Um, and uh, don't forget to vote for Luke's English podcast in the British Podcast Awards if you haven't done so already. Uh, britishpodcastawards.com dot com slash vote. Uh, if you have voted for me, then thank you very, 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 very much indeed from the bottom of my heart. I I will be extremely pleased if I win this. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't. I I've, I don't know. I'm I'm not. I'm quite sceptical about my chances this time. I mean, I know that I won the Macmillan Dictionary Award, you know, a few times thanks to my loyal following voting for me. I know that, but this one's different because, you know, I'm up against really, really big podcasts that I also listen to. And, you know, I've heard different people on different podcasts asking uh, their audience to vote uh, for them and i know that they've got massive audiences you know these are some of the most popular podcasts in the uk uh, that i'm up against so i think if 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 i win then uh, you know i'll be very surprised because it's a long shot you know it's it really is a long shot but you never know it might just work and i tell you what if every single one of you who listens to this votes for me then i'm in with a chance but if you don't then, you know, there's no way I'm going to win this, you know. So it is, it is down to you. If you can be bothered to vote, uh, then please do so. And don't be one of those people who thinks, oh, well, it's all right. Someone else will do it because that is what 90% of, of the audience are also thinking. So don't be one of those people. Uh, please do vote, and uh, and that would be nice. Okay. All right. Thanks very much for listening to this episode. I'm now going to start recording the next one, uh, and uh, I hope that my throat survives, because I'm, I've got a bit of a sore throat here. I'm sure it'll be okay. All right then. So I'll speak to you again on the next podcast, but for now, it's time to say goodbye, bye, 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 bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Have a catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...